Calling all benders and non-benders alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me, Dante Bosco. Each week we'll recap and discuss a new episode. So come join us and our amazing guests from creators to cast to superfans to chat about all things Avatarverse. It's Fire Nation time. Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar Braving the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Marvel Vision, a podcast about the MCU Marvel, and right now, Loki, episode two. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And spoiler warning for the second episode of Loki on Disney+. Plus. If you haven't watched it, though, I'm sure you have. I'm sure you woke up at 3 a.m. like the rest of us, binged it, got in hard. But in case you didn't, we're going to be getting pretty much right into spoilers here. So go watch the episode, then come back when you're ready to be spoiled the heck out of. Now, in the second episode here, of course, we're picking up on the new status quo for Loki, where he's being held by the TVA, he is working in a buddy cop scenario with Mobius and Mobius, played by Owen Wilson. And by the end of the episode, he's cracked the case wide open, discovered the Loki variant that has been mucking things up for the TVA. And it is none other than a female version of Loki. Potentially. Potentially. We don't know that. Yes. Because honestly, she just showed up and was like, that's a random person. Mm -hmm. But he discovers that she's been hiding out in apocalyptic scenarios. He helps it. But he also, in true Loki fashion, runs away at the end, away from Mobius and Mobius and the rest of the TVA after... Uh, let's just call her Lady Loki for the sake of expediency, has bombed the sacred timeline, trying to destroy the timekeepers or potentially something much worse. The multiverse is about to redline and get restarted, which we've been told is very bad. So second episode already, we've already completely bucked up the premise of the show. I love that. I love just like throwing a wrench in the works immediately. I thought that was so great. Uh, I agree. I feel like we were sort of like liking the first episode a lot, a lot of positive. So it was like, oh, this doesn't seem like it's um, uh, a lot happening. I feel like this episode, there's a ton happening sort of um, with the stakes of the show or like what the deal is. There's a lot of sawdust in the dynamite. Like we don't know who's doing what. Everyone's playing everyone, I think, is the real lesson from this episode. Pete, what did you think about this one? Well, this one was a little bit, to be honest, a little bit of a letdown because there was like this Loki stalling moment that I was very confused by. And then there was kind of like Loki talking to Loki, but wasn't Loki. It was different actors. And that was a little like, okay, but who's the real Loki? And then it was like Bryce. And then it's like, I was like, do we know her? How do I, who should I... Is this another trick? What's going on? And then, like, run fairs are cool. We all know that. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So, like, yeah. you got to plug that hard early in the second episode. It's a classic trope. I'm glad they're doing that there. Uh, but, yeah, it was just a little, like, head scratcher for me where um, I-, I got a little bit lost in the timelines and what's real and who's what and I mean, I'm, I'm glad sure you brought happening. that up about the Ren Ferris, Pete, because that is pretty classic TV structure. The first one in the pilot, you want to set things up. Second yeah. episode, you always want to have a Ren Always Fair. go to a Ren Fair. Always. Go back. Watch any yeah. TV show. 
Yeah. There's a red fare in every pilot. It's a mm-hmm. classic TV trope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you completed the pilot. You want to reward yourself with a large turkey leg. That's basically I mean, who does it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh I'm a little unclear on where to start with this episode, because I do think the big thing that everybody's going to be talking about, and certainly what we've already started talking about, is that reveal at the end. The actress's name is Sofia DiMartino. She was already spotted on set a very long time ago wearing this variant of the Loki uniform. People are going to call her Lady Loki, but I want to throw something else out at you, potentially, Mm. okay? I think a key moment here is when he calls her Loki calls her and one of her other bodies Loki, and she says, don't call me that. I think she is a Loki, first of all, from a pre-sacred timeline version of the timeline. She's from like... What did you just say out loud? Okay, so we know that there was a multiverse, right? Then the time... At least this is what we've been told. The timekeepers came in, there's this big multiversal war, and they reduced everything down to the sacred timeline. We have this lady Loki coming in, bombing the timekeepers, blowing up the timeline, clearly knowing everything about the TVA. I think she exists from before the timekeepers reduced it down to the sacred timeline. She's trying to return that, potentially to return her version of the timeline. But the secondary thing I'm going to throw out there is I think we're going to get a moment later in the show where she says, no, don't call me Loki. That's not my given name. My name is Amora. And... Amora, if you're not a comic book fan, is the Enchantress. The reason I'll throw that out there is literally the entire episode, she is enchanting people to the point that Loki says, oh, she's enchanting people. So this is somebody who is not Lady Loki from the comics. That's a character that was brought to prominence in the Thor run by JMS and Olivia Quapel. Um, But Amora has been kind of a female version of Loki for as long as the comics have been running, honestly, at this point. So I do think it's going to be another moment like in WandaVision where she says, my name is actually Agatha Harkness, or when we find out that Sharon is the power broker. Uh, So maybe there's some sort of pattern there of like, no, I'm not this character. I'm this other character. I know that's a wild amount of theory to throw out there, but that was immediately my thought about this episode. It was Amora all along, mm-hmm. is what you're predicting. Dun, dun, Another. Dun, 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 dun. Why aren't we um, calling her Bryce? That's what Loki calls her. Uh, yes. What are you talking about? He looks about at her Randy? and goes, Bryce, at, uh, and when she takes the hood off. What? Uh, I thought it was, doesn't he call her Randy? I thought it was Bryce. I wrote down <laughs> Bryce. <laughs> I missed both of those things, clearly. Uh, he, I have some other theories to throw out um, while we're talking theories. Um, I think we're going to find out that the timekeepers are just totally made up. It's just like a bullshit story mm-hmm. um, that they're using to – that the TVA is using to sort of keep everything in line for some reason that we're going to find out later of why they need the sacred timeline. And I think we're going to find out that they're sort of – it's sort of bad what they're doing. We think the TVA is organizing, but I think they're they're limiting the universe. And we have this Amora character that you're saying – um, Alex, who is actually uh, Loki's going to end up joining her and they're going to work together to create more mischief, create the multiverse back again and open it back up. And I have so that's sort of a major plot theory. I had another even wilder theory I want to throw out oh is is Owen Wilson is Mobius Kang. Oh, wow. Could he be? The way he's playing, well, and this goes, the theme of this episode for me is everyone's actually playing 
everyone else. No one is being honest. And the way that, that Owen Wilson is in this episode makes me feel like he is using Loki to try to bring about the multiverse in a way that is for his benefit. That's interesting. I I mean, certainly there's his name Mobius, which is like a Mobius strip, so it's infinite, right? So there's certainly yep. potentially something there. It would be a weird twist if Owen Wilson turns out to be Jonathan Majors, who we know. I know the casting news is, yeah. is what it is, but I also think Kang changes shape. I mean, he's a sure. purple dude like with a <laughs> like a blue mask on. And I know that's that casting news is definitely like right in the face of the theory I'm saying. But what I am saying is Owen Wilson feels like he is in a different position than we think, and Kang would be a fun thing to reveal. For I really like that idea. I mean – uh, certainly watching the show going forward, I'll take a look for that. But I felt like if anybody is on the level, it's Mobius. Like he is the one who's trying to do the right thing. I do have some questions about what he is and what the other people in the TVA are. I was thinking more about the Eugene Cordero thing about what is a fish. And it feels like they're yeah. maybe not even human. They're just something that was created by Maybe not the timekeepers, maybe whatever the timekeepers actually were. Uh, we, we're jumping all over the place, and Pete feels like you want to jump in with something before I get two of the weeds here. Well, yeah, I mean, first off, <laughs> I wanted to ask if you guys are having fun because, like, talking about like these multiple timelines and variants of variants and variants, like, this to me is like sometimes why I shake my fist at comics to be like, why so complicated? Why are you making my head hurt? Mm. Um, I like things that are deeper, have bigger meaning. That is cool. But sometimes this can drive me a little bit insane. And also, I admit that I do have a problem with time travel sometimes in movies and stuff. So that could be triggering it as well. But also what's driving me nuts is they're just casually keeping like, yeah, there are three magical lizards in charge. Anyways, like if they don't by the third episode reveal whether or not there there really is magical lizards that are running the shit and like what's if we don't get to see them i think i might lose my mind so uh i just wanted to kind of put that out there well i don't think i i mean we talked about this on the last episode of the podcast i think there is a oz type scenario going on there it seems pretty clear with the amount of times that Loki talks about wanting to see them, the fact that nobody has seen them, the fact that they're very much deified and, as far as we know, gigantic statues, and that's pretty much it. Either, yeah, there's a lot of puppets, a lot of dolls of these people for them to be real. Exactly. And maybe they were real at some point that they died and they've kept this lie going that they're these all-powerful creatures, but uh, it certainly seems to me like... They're not there right now. Maybe Ravona is behind it. Maybe it is Kang behind it. Maybe there's nobody behind it. And it's just this panicky thing. But also to jump back to what you were saying, Justin, and kind of throw something else out there. This is a very far afield, given that we're in the second episode. But I do wonder if we're headed into a place toward the end of the series where, like you were saying, the multiverse comes back. And the new task of the TVA is to police the multiverse, not restrict it but police it and people that are jumping timelines kind of clean that up there. Well, and I think that's fun if we, um, cause Loki is maybe the only show so far that we are fairly certain we're going to get a season two mm -hmm. of. Um, it feels like that is a fun future. And also I think it, it helps if the Loki series is just sort of 
preamble for the Doctor Strange movie. And we're going to be able to take all of the stuff that happens in this series and boil it down to like a two-minute scene that starts off the Doctor Strange mm-hmm. movie, where it's like Loki broke open the multiverse. And that's what we start with, and that's what happens. Well, and uh, same we thing with Spider-Man No Way Home as well, as uh, there was a little blip of a teaser released for Spider-Man No Way Home that kind of used the Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse effect in it. So that seems right. like... Yeah, this is all setting that up. This is all connected. I do want to get back to what Pete was saying, though, about this being confusing, because I wanted to jump a little bit on Justin's thing, but I'll let you go first. Yeah, I I wanted to support what you're saying, because I do think there is a chunk of the audience that has severe problems with this. And I think that is absolutely OK, because it's very confusing. Like my wife. I can't watch time travel stuff with her. She hates yeah. it. Like, she yeah. legitimately hates it, finds it frustrating and annoying. The fact that there's different rules and they usually don't quite match up and don't quite make sense. And frankly, the MCU is terrible at it. It's all over the place. <laughs> Endgame was a bunch of nonsense. I enjoyed the movie, but, it, like, none of it matched up. I yeah. mean, starting this show... Well, first off, your wife's clearly a time traveler. Secondly... <laughs> And that's a theory I've been pushing for a long time. Long time. A very long time. I mean, time. she doesn't age. She doesn't age. Yeah. Um, your kids are um, have, like, uh, odd power, like they are minority reports uh, <laughs> yeah, in exactly. sense of the future. I, they do ask to take milk baths a lot. Ooh, yes, they're always just, creepy. like, laying in milk. Oh. They're like, you're always shouting, we have a Red Bull. Mm-hmm. You've been accused of pre-murder several times. <laughs> uh, you somehow yeah. keep getting away with it. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, I agree. Like starting this series off with a sort of cut cut out scene from Endgame that was that in itself is confusing uh, is crazy. Like yeah. that's for a casual viewer to come in and be like, "I like Tom Hiddleston." Let me give this. Whoa, what's <laughs> happening here? But yeah, on the same note, I do think this series is doing a good job of it. Like this series is doing a good job of distilling it down. And to answer the initial question that you asked, Pete, I am having fun watching the series because I do think, first of all, I like, I love the alternate universe stuff. So maybe I'm a little biased here. I have a lot of fun piecing it apart and trying to figure out these rules and how it works. But I also think, Tom Hiddleston and Alan Wilson are having a great time. Their dynamic is so much fun to watch. I like all the details about the TVA. I really like the look of the show as well. So I am having a good time watching it, In even though the alternate universe stuff might be a little confusing. I do think they're distilling it down to what you need to know to watch the show. You know, they're not... They're not doing it's not primer, you know, they're not sitting down and being like, here are the rules or tenant or something like that, where you have to have a 10 minute download of everybody asking questions and somebody standing in front of being like, "Okay, here's how this works. Instead, they're just kind of going with it. And you can decide like I frankly, I barely understand the apocalyptic vent thing and I haven't pieced it apart too much to see if the conversation between Loki and Mobius made any sense. But them going to Pompeii is fun. So I'm okay with it. Okay, now, something Justin talked about. I think if the first, like, two minutes of Doctor Strange is not Loki on a jet ski jumping from timeline to timeline, like, uh, you know, on a lake or something, but it's timelines, I I, I think this whole thing would be a waste because the big jet ski that is just, this thing kind of just seems like it's a big commercial for a big jet ski. How do you guys feel about that? I'm sold. I don't mm-hmm. have a place to put it, but I'm buying a jet ski just to keep around the house. <laughs> you see that guy that uh, rides a jet ski to work? Like a road jet ski? He put wheels on it? That was pretty weird. Uh, 
What? No, I didn't see that. Again, it's probably someone from your time traveling uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, with yeah. your wife. So we don't quite, it's not quite with us yet. But um, love the jet ski stuff. Having Loki travel on, uh, from, on jet ski between timelines, here for it. And that's why I think this show, to Alex's point, it keeps it fun. There's a lot of fun in this episode, despite all of the uh, sort of dense time travel stuff. Um, the jet ski stuff, the whole um, thing he does to Mobius' salad while he's trying to uh, talk to him. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Very fun. He ruins a salad. Ruins I love a ruined it. salad. Wasn't oh. even a great metaphor. Went too far for it. No, we could have yeah. just explained yes. it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. But he wanted to ruin that salad. He that was sure his did. goal, and yeah. he did it. Um uh, on the Ravona tip um, that you mentioned, I think she herself is behind uh, the Timekeepers. Her role in the show so far is odd to me. She is just sort of there, and uh, Mobius occasionally is like, "Here's what I'm thinking." She's like, "Whatever," and then they keep she they go their separate way. So I think she's going to end up being sort of our our bad here, or at least our liar. They're going to expose. I can imagine her having a. Fish tank with three lizards in it, and that's where she got the idea for the timekeepers. Oh. Or again, the timekeepers left, and she's kind of had to keep this going because they have thousands, maybe millions of people working for the TVA, and that's just what she has to do. It's a lot to manage. It is a lot to manage. I did like, and we talked about this, I think, a little bit in the last episode of the podcast, but Michael Waldron, the showrunner, said that he wants to shake things up every episode in honor of Loki, that it just sort of feels like this chaos. So I did love that we had this first episode that, I don't even know what you'd call it necessarily, but like just a trial show, um, you know, a prisoner interrogation show, I guess. But this one was very clearly a buddy cop show where Loki yeah. is the analyst brought in from the outside to pair up with a straight laced cop and give him some advice. And I was like, oh, OK, now I get the show. Now I know what it is. And then at the end, out the window. Completely. Like, Kablooey. And I love that. Like, I love that move that in the third episode, it's probably going to be something entirely different as Lady Loki slash Amora slash whoever she is showing our Loki around the multiverse, potentially. Well, the idea that it's a series of procedurals as well is sort of nice because that gives us a, a strong format to hang all of this wild stuff on uh, for each episode. So I would love to keep seeing different variations on procedural tropes would be cool. I also really liked the apocalypse at the end. I thought that was interesting just in terms of the timeline of the MCU. That was kind yeah. of fascinating because when was that? That's 2050 something. Is that right? I believe that's what he said. 2050 or maybe even a little earlier. Actually. Yeah, it might have been 2040 or around yeah. there. Sorry, I should have written it down. But the fact that in the MCU... Post Endgame, I believe we're 2025, because don't forget, we're now in the future in the MCU. It hasn't caught up yet. Yeah. Um, so that's not too far off. So it feels like I don't know if they're teasing something there for the future of the MCU, potentially, or is it just a commentary on environmental disaster, yeah. which it could be. I I hate to tell you, Alex, I think they're teasing something for the real. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> One of those classic real life spoilers. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I agree. That whole sequence was cool. And I like that they used it, um, as just a backdrop and didn't have to get into like, what does it mean? Or like see a bunch of news about, 
uh, Ant-Man doing something. Like, it was just like, no, we're just setting it here. It's a little bit of tension, a little bit of dread, but really just driving forward with our Loki story. Yeah, and it does, you have the Roxxon connection because you got Roxcart. Roxcart, yeah, that's what I was going to, yeah. That was a fun little... Yeah, it's just part of the universe. You know, it's the, like you're saying, Justin, is kind of throwing it to you there and letting you go. What other notes from the episode, what other scenes or moments jumped out to you? I mean, we talked a little bit about Pompeii, but shout out to the original Apocalypse. Like, what a great uh, time to really see the Apocalypse. You, you don't go there often enough. You don't see it as much. But uh, great to see Loki really going in and just roasting the people, even as the ash-spewing volcano is exploding behind them. What did you think about the fact that Pompeii looked like a dinky thing they shot on a backstage somewhere? <laughs> It, I was surprised at how dinky it was. <laughs> it was but, very um, dinky. <laughs> yes, uh, it very much like Hercules, the legend mm-hmm. continues. <laughs> I was like, oh, it might have been the same set. Yeah. Um, not that they had that in storage from like 20 years ago, but, uh, but yeah, it, it was. But also, like, Tom Hiddleston commands the room. So, like, you forget it once he's up yelling at all of them. Yeah. In a good I, way. I also, what I like about Loki is like, He's also aware of himself, like the moment where he was like, oh, I see why Thor found this so annoying. Like, that was a real fun moment. And I was like, oh, man, look at you being self-aware of how annoying you are. That's fun. We brushed on this a little earlier, but uh, the Renfair thing at the beginning I thought was so great just to twist the time travel realities of the show. If you think, oh, okay, they're going back to medieval times now. Nope, they're not. They're going back to... The 80s? It was the 80s, 80, right? 1985. Yeah, yeah, 1985, and it's just a red fair. I thought that was and, very fun. And I also really loved how angry that lady was. Like, you're not dressed right. <laughs> that was such a fun part. Now, I mean, what is going to a Ren fair if not a little bit of time travel that the rest of us, Alex, aside since he has access to time travel at any time? Uh, for Pete and I, we can go there and really just track back to a time when um, you could uh, spend like 8 or $9 on a beer. <laughs> ah, classic, classic time I have a I question, just uh, something that I wasn't 100% sure about I think this was established at the end, but maybe I missed it The Lady Loki was actually there, right? At the Ren Fair Like, when Loki was doing the whole speech where he's like And don't go outside because this is a trap And then Mobius said, ah, come on, just wipe the timeline, you're being ridiculous Towards the beginning of the episode When they're having the, con- the two Lokis are having the conversation at the end I think the indication was she actually was there and he actually was sort of like pulling a double feint of trying to convince Mobius that she wasn't there and he was lying when he was actually giving her enough time to escape. Was that right? See, I thought I thought it was he was bragging to be like, hey, I stalled them and kept them in the tent for you. Like, I thought, like, that's what he was. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think that, like, the way that scene plays out, Loki is so obviously lying to Mobius the entire time about what's going on as he's piecing together the clues. It seemed weird. And I guess what I'm double checking here is you guys got the same impression. At the end of the episode, we find out he was obviously lying to trick Mobius into thinking he was lying when he was actually kind of telling the truth. Yeah. Yes. Wait, are what? you creating a separate branch? Because I'm about to set off a time grenade and get out of this. Oh, yeah, exactly. This, uh, Let's get out of this. This, this variant is yeah. too much, too uh, much. But no, I agree. I think um, Loki was trying to plot his next move. And his next move is to figure out what's happening from this this Loki uh, and ingratiate um, himself to, to whoever that is. So I think he was always pivoting. And then only in the final moment is like, 
later I'm going through this door. Yeah. Another couple of fun little moments. Really like the knife moment. I thought that was very fun. The hell no, you can't have knives. Uh, also, him popping the collar on the jacket was very yeah, fun. The variant jacket was really cool. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I'm going to start writing variant on the back of all my jackets. Absolutely. Uh, well, it's accurate in a lot of ways. And I love the brief glimpses of the Loki variants as well as they were going through it. That was very fun, including some that I don't think we've ever seen in the comics necessarily, but very enjoyable. Yeah. Do you think, Agreed. let me, th- this literally just occurred to me, so I don't even know, I don't have anything to back this up, but do you think time is real? <laughs> <laughs> I don't have anything to back it up, but what do you guys think? Is time real? <laughs> no, uh, the, the fact that they emphasize that Lokis have messed up the timeline and that have to arrest them more than anybody else. Do you think the person behind the timekeepers is a Loki? Like Loki is one of the three lizards? No, there like are no square? lizards. It's like a square Loki. Yeah, it's like whatever the original, maybe even it's classic Loki, like classic Marvel Comics legit evil Loki is the person behind the timekeepers that set this up to do the thing that our Loki has already trying to do, which is take over the timekeepers, but he's already done that because Loki has taken them over. I think it's a younger, uh, more adorable evil Loki. Well, there is, there's a good chance we're going to see a kid Loki at some point in the show. Yeah. And another thing that people have speculated about, Richard E. Grant was cast in it, and people have thought, oh, maybe he is playing an older Loki. So I think that's a possibility as well. And it's all Loki, right? Like, it's all got to come back to Loki in some way. Well, that certainly reflects the title sequence. Yeah. Um, all the just different, different variations yeah. on Loki. Uh, so that I think that would make a lot of sense. But let me ask you this, Alex. Do you, are you saying that this Loki has started the TVA to amend the Loki ways or as a means of creating more chaos somehow? I think just to rule. Like, he is the one... If you want to go with the theme that we talked about in the first episode, which is who always stops Loki, it's Loki. Yeah. First of all, it would make sense. He's a the, loser. Yeah, the, that would make sense as the villain of the series. But also the Loki that we know from the MCU has this heart to him, has this thing that is constantly stopping him from actually winning. What if there was a Loki, either the original Loki or one of the Lokis from the multiverse, who doesn't have that thing holding him back? Like, he is the one who legit knows how to rule because he has no connections to anything. He doesn't care about Thor. He doesn't care about Asgard. He doesn't care about what anybody else thinks about him. He would be the one to take over the TVA, take over the entire time stream, and eliminate whatever would be the major uh, thing going against his rule, which would probably be other Lokis. So getting rid of other time streams would destroy the other Lokis, potentially. I like this theory a lot for two reasons. Uh, one, it um, it pays off a lot of what we saw in that first episode of him seeing the Infinity Stones and being like, oh, I want those. Oh, they're not powerful at all. The real power is controlling the TVA. So I like that as a, a callback to the episode one. I like that for a second reason in that a lot of the scene stuff that we saw setting up the this series were about Loki failing because of his pride. And if he is running the TVA from behind this lizard charade, that means he's gotten past his pride and he's become sort of this true master. But I think if that's true, Alex, I think it means that this Loki is going to defeat that one Mm -hmm. and prove that the mischief 
mischief is about pride. You need to be prideful. You need to be this mischief maker where I, you're at the center of things, and that our Loki will defeat him. I hope that uh, it's um, the evil Loki running the whole thing is the Matt Damon Loki, and he's got to fight the Matt Damon mm. Loki at the end. Finally take him down for good and I love it. Yeah. Uh, and one little last note about this is there is the Kieran Gillen run on Journey into Mystery, which has kind of a similar thing, if I remember correctly, where Kid Loki is going around and it turns out it is the OG Marvel Comics Loki who's sort of the bad guy there manipulating things. So they could use notes of that potentially for the series. That's really cool. Now, do you think our Loki's going to get de-aged or that we're going to see a variant? I think we're going to see a variant. I don't think we're going to see yeah. young Tom Hiddleston necessarily. Maybe for an episode. That maybe for an episode. Mm, baby Hiddleston. <laughs> Everybody wants it. Disney Everybody Plus loves it. their babies. Yeah, they, they love want it. Boy band. They want boy band Tom Hiddleston. Oh, uh, that would be great. Oh, wow. Before we wrap up this episode, what is on your vision board? Let's talk about that. What's coming up? What do you want to see in episode three of Loki? Pete? Yeah, I want to see <laughs> a little bit more uh, condensed version of the show. I want it a little bit more. Hey, I need some answers uh, to some stuff so I can enjoy this moving forward. If the, all these branches are constantly going all the time and there's a bunch of different Lokis, like... Maybe it will be like, oh, fun, cool, or it might drive me insane. I'm hoping for a little bit of, like, understanding on the viewer's part moving forward. But I am very excited to see the show is building nicely. So I am very excited to see what happens. I think they're doing a good job of being like, you don't know what's going on. So I'm hoping for some jet ski answers. Mm. Jet ski answers. Uh, what I think is gonna, what I think is coming up. My vision is. Uh, thank you, Pete. Um, I think we're gonna see Loki learn a bunch of stuff from um, Amora, this other variant that we're sort of defining, and then I think he's gonna go back, end up back at the TVA, and claim that he was double agenting for them this entire time, and we'll go back and talk, work with Owen Wilson to try to move forward as this theory unfolds that we've been talking about, where the TVA is actually this whole feint for old Loki or someone else. At this point, the big thing that I want to see in episode three is the multiverse. Now that we have all of these things branching off, uh, maybe we're building it up to it in episode six. So maybe I'm too early here, but it does feel yeah. like Lady Loki taking our Loki around on a tour and showing him here. There's all these different variations. This is why I'm doing what I'm doing. I don't necessarily need to see 14 Captain Americas and different versions of the Avengers and all sorts of Easter eggs, but I do want to see, what is this like? How does this work with the multiverse? Because I think that's really important, not just for the show, but also establishing, as we've talked about, going forward with Doctor Strange 2, Spider-Man 3, potentially things beyond that as well. Um, so that should be... I think we'll get that at some point. Um, I'd be interested to see that next episode. I don't think we're going to get the next episode. I do think we're going to get episode five or probably six. And I feel like we're going to see it where our Loki's going to be sort of splitting in that way that they do, sort of like time splitting with different... Uh, transparent variations of Loki Whoa. opening up out of him, mm -hmm. sort of all fighting and then splitting off. And we'll actually see the physicalized 
multiverse forming through the lens of Loki. Mm, I like that idea quite a That's bit. That's a visual. Sorry, I'm tripping balls right now. So <laughs> yeah, I'm just talking out my head. Your eyes are so dilated right now. I mean, that's a good note. I got to get my kids out of the milk bath. So why don't we wrap this up? If you'd like to support us, <laughs> patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast and YouTube, iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen to the show at comic book live. Oh, excuse me, at Marvel Vision Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. ComicBookClubLive.com for this podcast and more. Until next time, stay marvelous. What type of milk are you doing for your milk bath for your kids? Oh, usually usually, uh, 2%. But oh, they only nice. had a hole at the store, so I've been using that. And holes extra creepy. Thick, yeah, thick milk. They get bath. stuck. It, it congeals so quickly. It's oh awful. God. Please stop.